It was 30 years ago now that my wife and I learned in a new, real, tangible, practical way the ABCs of prayer. We learned something about the ABCs of prayer. In fact, the, the claiming of Bible promises from the time we were children. My father used to reach up into his bookshelf and take down the Bible and claim promise after promise. We didn't categorize it as ABCs at the time, but we looked up into the face of the Lord and we asked, and we really believed, and marvelous miracles took place. When I was only six years of age, my mother was 42 years of age and she was dying of a heart attack. Father reached up, picked down the Bible, opened it to a promise that God would rebuke the devourer, and mother was healed instantly. She was 42 years of age. How do you suppose I know she was healed? She lived to be almost 102. A year or two before she passed away, she said, Glenn, I don't have an ache nor a pain. I said, Mother, wait till you get to be my age. <laughs> I said, I think every 20 years from now on, you ought to get a medical checkup. Friends, the Lord answers prayer. Now, the purpose of this study today is this. The Lord says we're his witnesses. In Isaiah 43:10, ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. Jesus said to the demoniac who was healed, and it's recorded in Mark, the fifth chapter in the 19th verse, he said, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he's had compassion on you. Now, we're all to be witnesses to Jesus. We're to let men and women know that Jesus Christ has had compassion on us. We're in, our testimony is to tell what we have done, how worthy we are, but it's to magnify him who is altogether lovely, who died on Calvary, and him who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I found this, that to have the best answers to prayer, we should pray unselfishly. But I've also learned, friends, that we grow in grace. Second Peter 3.18 says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. While we are growing in grace, praise the Lord, he comes to our rescue in many little things that are more or less selfish. For years I've presented the program that I'm sharing with you now, and I've told how unselfish I was in this special project. But friends, I wouldn't for the moment convey the idea that I had reached or have now reached the pinnacle of unselfishness by far, no. But I was reaching out that I might have greater health, that I might share the matchless love of Jesus with thousands more. I wasn't well. I hadn't been well for six years. My close friends who were medical doctors had told me that unless I got a lot of physical exercise, my ministry would close. They were telling me this from the, from, from the year 1940 through to 1946. It was now 1946. We lived in a home in Rochester, New York, that didn't even have enough land for a garden. And I didn't know how to play tennis or golf or baseball or any of those games. When I was working my way through school, I had to work all my way almost to the dollar. All I could do was to work on the farm. I didn't know how to milk cows. <laughs> and I was quite proud of the fact that the Coon boys knew how to milk cows. You know, that was before the milking machines were very... Uh, had come in into date too much. 
And uh, we would notice how the other boys on the farm would milk cows. You know, they would milk like this. Squirt, one, two, three, four, squirt, one, two, three, four, squirt, one, two, three, four, squirt. But we boys, we went like, squirt, 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 squirt. And we could fill our pail full three or four times while they were filling it up once, you know. They were so busy. A scientizing, as we call it. A theorizing. When we felt that uh, work was a practical activity. But you know, all the exercise I got out of that was in my hands and wrists. My wrists would always swell because we'd milk so fast. Here I was, a minister in 1946, an old man, almost ready to give up my ministry unless the Lord came to my rescue. And so I decided that my wife and I would sell the home that we had in Rochester and get a place that had a garden. As we're carrying on a very heavy ministry, visiting, personal work, and so on, we would keep our eyes open, hoping to find something. We'd watch the newspapers. For weeks we did this with no success. I would like to say this, that as this was going on, I was having a wonderful fellowship in Jesus Christ. I was taking an hour or an hour and a half every morning with him. I hadn't done that through my ministry. I found that when I hurried too fast to take time with the Lord, I was a half-backslidden minister. For years, my wife and I have spent giving the Lord, as a rule, the first hour of our day. There's a fellowship that's needed in his presence, his fullness of joy. And I was really enjoying this time with the Lord. I had 165 names on my prayer list. I'm saying this so that you'll know a little later on in the story that I was walking with the Lord. The request that I was about to make was not a totally selfish request because I wanted to live, we all want to live, but I also wanted to live that I might proclaim Jesus for many years yet. And I knew that my ministry was closing otherwise. So we were praying to the Lord to give us some place where I could have a garden. To be perfectly frank, I didn't know how to grow a garden. <laughs> But I, at least I could work, and that's what I wanted to do, was get the physical exercise. On one morning, as I was talking to the Lord alone, my wife had finished her, her time with the Lord and was down in the basement doing the laundry. The thought came to my mind, and I felt it came from the Lord. You shouldn't be looking around anymore for a place unless you find it today, for instance. Maybe you aren't to find another place. Maybe you're to be transferred. And as I thought it over, it seemed like that voice was so plain, it seemed like it came from the Lord so distinctly that I, that I wrote a little letter to the Lord. I said, Dear Lord, <clears throat> and the idea was from the angle of what you're telling me, I think you're telling me this, unless I find a place today, I'll know that probably we're going to be transferred soon. So I won't look beyond today. I'll dedicate the whole day to seeing if I can find a place where there's a garden where I can get some physical exercise. So I wrote this little letter to the Lord. And then I remembered a promise, because we'd been passing out to the audiences that we're, where we're holding a series in the big Masonic Auditorium there in Rochester, New York, a little booklet on what God has promised. And every time I gave this to the ushers for them to pass out, that text kept coming back and making an impact on our, my mind. What God has promised, he'll fulfill. Kuhn, don't you remember how many times you've claimed promises and then you've neglected them? Every time you've claimed the promises of God, the very life of Jesus has come into your life. Second Peter 1, 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. 
I said, Lord, every time I've claimed your word, I've taken time to breathe in and drink in and eat of your promises, I've been a different type of individual. Lord, I'm going to claim your promises as never before. I'm really going to stick, stick my neck out on the immutable, eternal, impeccable, living word of God. So I said, here's a promise. Matthew 18, 19. If two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. I said, I'm going down to see if my wife agrees to this. So I took the little letter down to her and I said, Honey, uh, this is the way I view it. I don't think we ought to be spending any more time looking around for a place. We may be moved soon. We don't know. So with this in mind, let us just give this deadline. It isn't wise usually to give God a deadline, but we felt that it was very reasonable in the light of the fact that we might be transferred. I said, do you see light in this? We'll just take this one day. If we don't find the place today, we'll know pretty well for sure that we're going to be transferred soon. We've been here already for years. She said, yes, I agree. Now, we had fulfilled the conditions, if two of you agree. Also, the condition of an unselfish purpose to the extent of humanity's having grown in grace, you understand. And I said, then you'll get ready if you want it just as soon as you can, and we'll go for the trip. And you know, she got ready in a hurry. <laughs> We've been doing a lot of traveling, and she knows how to travel with me in a hurry. In fact, when I proposed to her, I said, honey, you can pack up your things in my suitcase anytime you want to. You know, friends, she's been packing ever since. We've moved hundreds of times. In a little bit, she was ready. <clears throat> we went around out looking for a place. Up to this time, no one with these big farms outside of the city of Rochester was willing to sell us even a half an acre. We hoped that somehow we might persuade someone this time to do it. But instead of the farmers showing us a half an acre, saying, we'll sell you a little bit, they said, we'll sell you the whole farm. Uh, this particular farm might have, say, uh, $20,000 worth of machinery. I didn't need any more machinery. I had enough of that in my church already. <laughs> Another farm, they said, we have $30,000, perhaps, worth of animals. I didn't need any more animals. I had four coons already. <laughs> I didn't need any more animals. And so we went from place to place, farmers wanting to sell their whole farm. <laughs> and we said, well, no. Finally, the day was practically spent. My wife said, I'll prepare supper. I said, let me go just once more. So I went out on Route 104 outside of Rochester. And as I was going, I was praying. I'd perhaps gone about four miles now. I was saying, Lord, you've come to my rescue so many times. I'm totally unworthy, only through the merits of Jesus. Dear Lord, if you're going to give us a place out of the city, it has to be in the next few moments. You know the prayer we've offered. And just then, a thought voice spoke to my heart as clearly as though it had been an audible voice. Turn off to your right. It's right there. The voice was so strong, though inaudible, that I turned off and parked there by the highway. I saw an old farmhouse. And I was so sure that the Lord had said, this is it, that as I was running, actually running toward it, I noticed there was no for sale sign. But I kept saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving me this place. Thank you so much. And I thought, wait a minute. When the lady comes to the door and I say, how much is this place? Maybe, maybe I'm presumptuous, maybe I'm too enthusiastic. So by the time she answered the doorbell, I said, is this the place that was for sale? And she should have seen the look. Much as say, how did you know? 
She said, yes. But we'd given an option to a man some time ago, subject to its being rezoned for an airfield. And just today, the zoning board turned him down. Yes. I said, who has it? She said, my husband. Where is he? Down there at the market. She directed me. I jumped in my car, almost floated down to the market. Ran to the market. I understand your place is for sale. He said, yes, sir. I said, how, mu how much acreage? He said, 80. And I had looked enough to see that there were no cows and no machinery. There was just one cow on Social Security. <laughs> and I think one tractor, and that was all. Well, that fit better. Uh, what did I need of 80 acres? Well, I was looking for exercise. And the voice had spoken so clearly to me. I said, how much? He said, 18,000. I said, sold. And I gave him a deposit right on the spot. Ten dollars. <laughs> Ten dollars. I said, I'll be back Monday, and I'll give you 40 more. You see, I was going to get my check between that day and next Monday. I'm a preacher. <laughs> next Monday, we went into the, into the atheistic lawyer's office, and I gave $40 more. That made $50. Think of that. And then we made out the, the contract that uh, in a few weeks, I would pay $3,500 more. In so many more weeks, $6,000 more. And the, the attorney was the president of a large uh, lawyer's firm and the president of a large bank, so he was intelligent. And he turned to me very graciously and he said, of course you have the money for the 3500 that will be coming up now due in a few weeks. I said, no, I don't. You don't? How do you expect to get it? I said, I have a place in the city and I plan to sell it. Well, he said, places don't always sell as fast as you expect. And more than that, do you have that much equity in it? I said, no. You don't have that much equity in it? No. How do you expect to get at it? Well, the Lord gave me a bargain. And the man blinked about twice. He was so gracious. But just suppose, he said, you know, this contract calls for a definite payment at that time. P places don't always sell that fast. I have no fear, Mr. Leapshots. I said, you see, I'm a minister. And you know, that didn't help a bit. <laughs> I'm a minister. And I said, and I, I claim God's word. And he's never let me down. And of course, out of graciousness, he didn't, he, he, he didn't force any more statements from me. Told his secretary, put it down. In so many more weeks, we'd have $6,000. And you know, the man didn't have the courage to say, where are you going to get it? And did I thank the Lord? He didn't. I took, I was so happy over I took my wife out to see it. She was thrilled. Then I took my brother Miles Roy out to see it. I said, I want you to see what the Lord has given us. I said, my wife and I wrote a letter to the Lord, and he's, look at the wonderful answer he's given. And my brother Miles looked at that old home. Two old barns looked like they'd just almost come out of the flood. And that one old poor cow, bones and skin. And the tractor that looked at, like it was B.C. He looked it all over, and he said, Glenn, if you ask me, I don't, you said, you said you wrote a letter to the Lord? I said, yes, I wrote a letter. He said, if you ask me, I don't think the Lord got his mail that day. <laughs> you know, that went right to the pit of my stomach. I was actually trembling inside. I thought he was going to say, praise the Lord. I took him back where I picked him up, and I drove back a little faster than I drove out, I think. I said, I must have help. I didn't tell him that. So I got a hold of my brother David. David, I want you to see what the Lord did. I thought, I won't tell him about the letter. That didn't go over. We asked the Lord, and he gave us a wonderful answer. And my brother David looked it all over, and he said, 
you ask the Lord for this? I said, yes. He said, if you ask me, the devil answered. Now, friends, I don't know how much you know about the solar plexus, but it seemed to me like the whole solar system was colliding right there in that area. And I took him back as fast as I could. I needed more help. So I got a hold of my 80-year-old mother, bless her heart. Mother, I want you to see what the Lord has done. She looked it all over and she said, how much have you paid? Down. I said, $50. She said, Glenn, if you'll back out, I'll give you the $50. And I took her back home. <laughs> then I got a hold of my first elder, Brother Kilgore. Showed him the place. He didn't say anything the rest said. I'll never forget what he said. This is what he said. His laugh was so hollow I could have put my whole farm through it. I knew what they all meant. Then my brother David came out again and again and again and again, and he had the look of seven last plagues in his eyes. And he told me that Armageddon was around the corner, seven last plagues would soon fall, and the probation would soon close. And he said, don't you invest, Glenn, don't, don't, don't you invest another penny. If you do, you're going to lose your shirt. Glassy-eyed, almost frothing. And you know, I said, as he left, I said, Lord, if you don't mind, would you have him stay away? But you know, there's a promise that they won't stay away. It says a brother is born for adversity. <laughs> so he kept coming. And every time he came with those glassy eyes and near frothing mouth, Glenn, you're going to lose your shirt. I could almost feel it going. He said, you're guilty of presumption. Brethren, in another, in another study, I want to share with you the agony we had. Then I began to read everything I could under prayer. I said, Lord, if I have made a misstep, I'm going to back out. Don't you think we should? We should. I said, Lord, I'm going to take step by step by step. Number one was I walking with you. Am I sure that was an unselfish purpose? Am I sure that you are leading? And I took step by step in retrospect, and I said, I can't back out. Because I put you right in the middle, and I can't find the selfish aspect and the sinful aspect that would cancel it out. As I read one book after another, I got some courage. But then, my friends, the providence of God came in. I reached up into my library, and how in the world, except by the grace of God, I found what I did. I pulled down the most unlikely book on prayer that you'd expect. It was titled Education. <laughs> Education? You'd have thought it would have been entitled Prayer, How to Get Through to God. Education. And just like an angel opened to page 253 to 257, and I read these words. In the prayer of faith, there's a divine science. It is a science that everyone who would understand who would make his life work a success must understand. I said, well, that's, that's, that's reasonable. Surely this will tell what it is. I read on through and it said that this science is based on claiming one of God's promises. And we can claim any promise that he's made under like circumstances of the time when it was made and with like faith. And then it said, for any gift that he's promised, we may ask. Then we're to believe. Then we're to return thanks that we've received. Sort of a seven-step philosophical type of prayer. Lord, I ask, and I not merely ask, I believe, and thank you, Lord, I'm receiving. I said, thank the Lord. And then it went on to say, 
Jesus said, the word of God is seed, Luke 8, 11. Every apple seed, every acorn contains what it names. An apple contains an apple, an apple seed contains an apple tree, trunk, two leaves and roots. An acorn contains an oak tree, trunk, two leaves and roots. God's promise contains the gift. I said, this is wonderful. Lord, if I can get a promise, because now, when my $3,500 uh, note came due, I had sold my place. I'd come in before the attorney, and he was thrilled. But now, five days from now, I owed 6000 And I had no place to sell to get it. And I said, Lord, if you'll show me a promise for $6,000, I'm going to ask. And I'm going to believe and I'm going to claim. I'm going to pray a three-part prayer. And Lord, I'm totally unworthy. But you've promised. And you know the basis. You know the unselfish project. You know the fellowship I had with you. You know the challenge that's coming from all parts. Even my neighbors think I'm fit to be committed. But I've committed my heart to you, Lord. And I opened my Bible. An angel must have done it. I don't know. It might have been years since I'd read that text, Philippians 4, 19. My God shall supply all your needs. I said, thank you, Lord. I put my hand right on the promise. I ask you to supply me with $6,000 five days from now. I believe you're doing it. Thank you. I am receiving. I prayed that prayer every day till the due date. That morning with tears in my heart, my, my voice trembling and my body trembling, Lord, thank you. I'm asking. I'm believing. I'm receiving. I said, Lord, I don't know where it is. I jumped in my car and claimed another promise. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll guide you with mine eye. I drove out in the driveway and I said, Lord, I don't know which way to turn. You are guiding me. I ask. I believe. Thank you. I'm receiving. I went down to Culver Road, turned left. Main Street, turned right. Found a place to park several blocks down, and of all things, there were the offices of my atheistic attorney. I said, Lord, this is the man that I was telling how you answer prayer. And you mean I'm to go to him for $6,000? He'll think you failed me. And the voice, the thought voice said, go on. It was early. His office had just opened. But Lord, I have to make an appointment days in advance for this man. He's very important. Go on. I went up the stairway, two, three flights of stairs to the office. His secretary said, Mr. Liebschutz is right in his office. Walk right in. Praise the Lord. Mr. Liebschutz, where can I borrow $6,000 on my personal note for three months? He sat down here at the bank. And he didn't point to his bank. I thought, wait a minute. I said, they don't know me very well at that bank. Picked up his telephone. Said, give me Bill. Hello, Bill, this is Phil. Loan Dr. Kuhn $6,000 for three months on his personal note. Thank you, Bill. I, as graciously as I could, got out of there, took two or three steps at a time downstairs, got on the sidewalk. I wanted to run. I thought, if I start running, they'll think I'm an escapee. And if I walk, I might get there too late. But I wanted, did you ever try to run and walk at the same time? When I got the bank, I remembered one thing. If you're going to borrow 6000 you must act like you were, you know, somewhat dependable. So I walked in, straightened up, met Mr. Bill, and I, and I, and I bent from my hips. When you, when you ask for 6,000, always bend from your hips. <laughs> and he said, uh, yes, we'll deposit to your account. $6,000, 
deposited to my account. I went home, made out a check for $6,000. And this was the beginning of the science of prayer, so far as I was concerned, in my own personal life. I want to recommend to you, dear friends, that you will also learn the science of prayer, not merely in the area of finance, but in every area of life. Your home may be breaking. Learn how to communicate with God, how to get through to God. Yourself, your family, your husband, your wife, your children, it will pay large dividends. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, their hearts right now, they're longing to know you better. They want to get through to you. Thank you, Lord, that you're eager to get through to us. As we look up to you in simple childlike faith, May we ask, may we believe, may we lay hold of your infinite promises and then share the blessings with others. In your lovely name, we thank you. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.